DJ PK brought to you in part by Davis Vision. The Davis Vision Spring LASIK sale is going on now. Get rid of those contacts and glasses and save $1,000. Start your road to better vision at Davis Vision. Check them out at davisvisionmd.com or call them today at 801-253-3080. That's Davis Vision. Time to welcome in Pace Mannion. Former Ute, former jazz player. Used to do the radio show right after us. Pace, how are you? I'm doing well. How are you guys doing? You want to want to get a lemon? Do the red and the blue show? Let's just do some crosstalk. <laughs> Remember it well. Yeah, those were the days. <laughs> so I'm curious. Uh, you know, it's funny how uh, life works, and a, a lot of people listening know your background, but not everybody does. You you played at the Utes in the early '80s when there wasn't a three point shot. You played in the NBA in the late '80s. When there was a three-point shot, but it wasn't used very often. You went over to Europe, and man, the Europeans really embraced the three-point shot. And then you can argue they embraced it quicker than, the, than a lot of people did in the U.S. You come back and you do some broadcasting for the Jazz. You do the pre-half and post on TV for five years in the 2000s. The game's just starting to change. And then the next de- decade it takes off, and you're raising a young prodigy who's a high school star and plays at the University of Arizona. Boo. And is now on the Warriors <laughs> roster, and he's fully embraced the three. And now his teammate is Steph Curry, who has revolutionized the three. And I just think when you're watching a game, and you watch a lot of Warriors games because your kid's on the roster, and you see the stuff Steph does that the coaching staff encourages and applauds and you know it didn't even exist in your career and then you would have gotten pulled in a heartbeat and cut if you tried this stuff how much does it just blow your mind it's uh the game has changed i mean you talk from the 80s to now it's a completely different basketball game um rule wise and everything but the three-point shot has just taken off and you know and obviously i think steph is I don't, there's not many people are going to argue he's probably the best you know, shooter that's played, you know, along with Ray Allen and some of these guys. But you watch watch him shoot the basketball from the range he shoots it at, how he stretches the floor, how he changes the way other teams have to play against the Warriors every single night. And even though you know it's coming, you still have trouble finding a way to stop him. Because when you have to go guard a guy at 38, 39 feet from the basket because he's a threat from there, it opens up so many things because he handles the ball so well and he can get by and he's got floaters. He's got everything else in, his, in, the, in the package that makes him a threat every time he touches it from the minute he crosses half court. And used to say, people used to say that jokingly, but now the minute he crosses half court, you have to think he can shoot it from the logo, from inside the circle. He can let that go from there because he feels he can make that. And he has several times this year if you've watched the Warrior games. And so the game has changed so much, and I think he and Damian Lillard and some of these guys are – uh, get, get a lot of credit for that. Um, Steph, because he's won championships and has been in the limelight as MVP and all those things, but he is the one guy that that will be renamed always as, you know, he he opened this league up to where coaches feel like that three-point shot is, is just as effective as trying to pound the ball inside like we did back in the 80s and 90s even. So how about this? You know, obviously all that stuff inside the half court and logo has just gotten tremendous attention. And you've watched the Warriors uh, probably way more than we have this year, obviously because you have DNA on that team. But my thought is, in addition to that, I believe, I was telling DJ this the other day, that he has the best floater of all time. I, I agree with that. You know, when he gets, 
because he's run off the three-point line so many times, and there's not he, you know, he does take some mid-range shots. They're rare, but if you see a guy run him off the line and he he puts it on the floor, um, most likely it's going to be a floater. And it doesn't matter if it's from you know 15 feet or 10, wherever he feels comfortable, he's going to let it go. And again, the touch he has, and and I think you can work on these things. I think what he has, and I'm not taking anything away from the work he's put in because I've heard what his work ethic is, you know, firsthand. Um, he just has a touch that is just unreal, and he's had it from, you know, a young age. He, you know, you watched him in college, and I'm sure he was like that in high school and just didn't get the attention he, he is now because he was so small and people weren't sure he could handle the pounding of the NBA, which obviously he's proved everybody wrong on that aspect. But that floater is um, its a weapon that I think every guard – in the NBA needs because if you can shoot that, you know, by the time you get to you get to the basket, get in the paint, you know, there are some there's some big bodies and they don't mind knocking you down and they'll block your shots and but that that that's a weapon that is that's another shot that we never took. That wasn't even in the repertoire back in you know when, when I was playing. And and that's another shot that's come around that has been evolved into a, a great weapon for, for offensive players. So one of the craziest moments of that Laker-Warrior game is at the end when Steph has the ball just across half court. The Lakers know he's a threat. They double him, and they're willing to live with whatever happens as long as it isn't a shot coming out of Steph's hand with a game on the line. And they send AD out there, a seven-footer running out 35, 40 feet from the hoop to double someone who's as elusive as Curry – and I'm just wondering, when you look up and down NBA rosters, who has rosters versatile enough to deal with this? Because if you don't have it, this kind of versatility, the ability to hit a 40-footer, a 7-footer who is an excellent defender 40 feet from the hoop against the best of the best, if you don't have that versatility, you're going to be doomed. You're going to be exposed over the course of seven games. So how many teams have that kind of versatility? Well, not many. You know, I mean, you're talking about he's he's a freak athlete when you're talking about AD. But you know, there are teams in the league that give I think give Warriors problems with with some size, and I think the Lakers tried that, but they realized the small ball the Warriors were playing was you know you couldn't you couldn't guard everybody out there. You know, the two bigs, you can't do that. Drummond wasn't going to guard. You know, even if it's you're talking about Juan Toscano Anderson, who is you know he's he's a good player and he can score the basketball. Um, but he's not your main guy, and you're willing to live with that shot. You talked about the last play with the Warriors. You know, I think in hindsight, you'd like to have that play out because you were going to get Wiggins in the corner with a wide-open three mm-hmm. right before Kerr called the timeout, which I think that's a shot you'd have taken instead of trying to inbounds with 2.1 on the clock um, to get a, a three to tie the game. Um, but you just didn't, you didn't see that develop until after he called the timeout. It's easy to say now, or right after he called the timeout, you could see it. But But you're right, there's not a lot of teams that have – um, the athletes to do that, and, and the Lakers, you know, as bad as the Lakers played, you know, until certain moments of that game, you know, they're still a threat. You know, I don't think the Suns are very happy that they get the Lakers in the first round. Yeah, really. <laughs> hey, that's uh, that's that's something that they're going to have to endure. Obviously, uh, I'm wondering if you, um, what's your level of confidence? That it's going to be Warriors Jazz as opposed to Grizzlies Jazz. Yeah, tonight's a tough game. You know, they just played them a few days ago, and to beat them, you had to get. You know, Steph had forty six. 
um, you're putting a lot of pressure on your superstar to to score the basketball night in and night out to win games, and and he's he's carried them all season that way. Uh, so, and it's not that he can't do it again. The the Grizzlies they have some some weapons. You know, Valchunas is playing well. He's coming off a 23 and 23 night. Um, obviously, Morant is is who he is, and when he decides to get aggressive and and go to the basket and do what he does, especially with the small lineup the Warriors will play. Um, he'll have some success, but I still think the key to that team, you know, you watch him is is Dylan Brooks, because when he plays well, that team is really really good. When he scores it at one end, um, you know, he's averaging what about sixteen seventeen a game, I believe, and but his defense is, and he's just you can tell he's the heart and soul of that team. His his emotion, they they thrive on that, and I think you got to find a way to to go at him and he'll be guarding Curry and I wouldn't be surprised if Steph tries to get a couple of early fouls on him because the last time they played that was a it was a really close game and then you know he fouled out with you know about five minutes on the clock uh, picked up his sixth foul and was done and, and that's when it kind of turned um, for the Warriors favor but it'll be a it'll be a tough game you know there's no doubt about it I don't think it's going to be you've seen some of these blowouts I don't think it'll be a blowout by either side um, I think the Warriors are the favorites. Obviously, they're at home. They've, you know, they've got Steph, Draymond's playing well. Everybody's playing really well right now at a high level. They're playing an eight-man rotation. Guys are getting very comfortable on the floor because you know the lowest guy's getting 21 minutes a night, and so they're all getting comfortable. And and that's what you need in the NBA to be successful. Is you know you're you're going to be out there for a while, and you don't have to hunt shots. You don't have to be selfish. You know it's going to come to you. So those are. Those are things they have going right now at this time of the year that have been playing. You know, they've, they've won a lot of games, you know, eight out of ten. I don't know what their last ten ball games is, but they've been one of the hotter teams in the league going into this play-in scenario and, and hopefully into the playoffs. So I'm curious what you thought as you saw teams tanking games down the stretch, the Clippers tanking and not worried about a potential second-round matchup with the Jazz, and it may or may not come to that. We've got to see who wins in the first round. But you know, if they both win in advance, the Clippers didn't seem very worried about that. They seemed intent on getting to that side of the bracket. Uh, do, do you trust the Clippers? Do they even be worried about that kind of thing? What does it say about the Jazz? What would you think? Um. Well, with the Jazz right now, I think everybody would rather play them because you don't know how Mitchell and Connolly are going to come back. You know, But I would much rather see the Lakers earlier than later in the playoff series. You know, The Suns, they get them early. They're not playing great basketball. LeBron's not healthy. I don't think AD is completely healthy. Um, the supporting cast isn't playing extremely well. And so I think you have an opportunity to, to knock them off. If you, you know, the tough thing for the Suns is they're young. You know, you got some guys that never had any playoff experience. But I would – I don't think it's – you know, to duck somebody or to stay out of somebody's way, um, you know, I, I don't agree with it, but I understand it. But I wouldn't – I don't think it's saying anything about the Jazz except for, hey, we'd rather play them with, with guys that aren't 100%. You know, and I don't know what their record is this year with the Jazz, and I don't know what it is with the Lakers because I didn't follow it as close as you guys probably have. But – I think the Jazz in a seven-game series can beat anybody in the league because they play so well. Um, the ball moves. They have shooters. They have a defensive presence in Gobert. Um, they are a threat to any team they play. You know, they're going to have nights where they shoot it so well that nobody, nobody can be close with them because they, they do that so well. They move, and they've got shooters, and they create. Everybody can put it on the floor. Everybody can get, get into the paint and kick out for shots. 
and they're all willing passers. Um, and that's a, that's a key. You know, guys that are willing to give the ball up for a better shot or for the best shot, that's what you look for. And they're, they're a lot like the Warriors in that way where they move the ball, and there are very few teams that do it as well as those two in the league. Um, and that's why they're successful. And I think they have an opportunity this year to, to go a long way. Um, and I think the first series for them is important because you know, whoever they get will have played three games. And that first home game on Sunday here, whether it's the Grizzlies or, or the Warriors, is a big one because, you know, everybody's going to you – know, you guys talked about the other day, you know, you're, you're talking rest, you're talking altitude, you're talking guys on a roll, yeah. all the things that go into that. But I think the Jazz are, are very good, and I wouldn't, I, I wouldn't duck them if I'm the Clippers because I, if you're the Clippers, you've got to think you can beat anybody because you're a pretty solid team as well. But um, I, I wouldn't want to play the Jazz. I wouldn't want to play the Lakers either. You know, <laughs> I'd rather play the Warriors or Grizzlies if I have the opportunity, but that's not who you're going to get in the first round. Right. So you've been in this community or around this community for a long time. You know how much people care about little things and strive for respect and want respect. So we've got some postseason awards. Now you've watched the Warriors. You're basically an expert on them. And Draymond Green is one of the guys that is up for Defensive Player of the Year along with Simmons and Gobert. What are your thoughts on who would win that? They're different defensively. All three of them are completely different guys. You know, they do it in a different way. You know, Simmons is out on the perimeter guarding guards and, and getting in the paint and guarding some bigs a lot like Draymond does. Uh, and Gobert is just a, a, you know, a presence with, you know, he's blocking so many shots and altering so many shots and creating so many problems that the Jazz can take some chances on the perimeter and knowing, hey, if you beat me, good luck. You know, you better have a great floater game. Or, or, or you better be able to pass the ball out of there and get a three because you're not going to get anything at the rim. Um, I've watched Draymond all year, and it impresses me with him with his size. You know, he, they list him at 6'7". He's probably 6'6". Six, six. He does have a long wingspan, but he is guarding, you know, seven-footers to point guards. Um, and I think his IQ in my opinion, is better than anybody's when it comes to that end of the floor. Yeah, both ends of the floor. He is, he's just that skilled mentally because he, he's seen so much in his career and he's played so many positions, and he's had to morph into a player that, you know, just what keeps me on the floor, and he's become an expert at all those things. You know, he's your, your consummate role player. People think he's a star, but he's your consummate role player that does everything that's asked of him and more. And I think defensively, he reads plays so well and disrupts. And if you watch him on a defensive play and how much he talks and orchestrates where guys go and is telling guys what to do on certain plays when plays are called or when he sees something developing, he can see it before it happens. And he tells his guys, this is what they're doing. This is where they're going. And, and he, in my opinion, he is the defensive player of the year. Um, you know, nothing, I don't want to take anything away from Gobert or, or Simmons. They're all, either one of them gets it. They all deserve it. You know, it's sad there's only one, but that's the way the league goes, and that's how awards are. They're all, they're all, you know, they, they all could win it. They all would be right to win it. But, you know, I, if I was voting, and maybe it's because I've watched him all year and, and I've seen what he does, um, I don't know how many of the writers watch all, you know, see every of these guys play as much as I've seen him play. And just like you guys have seen Gobert, and I'm sure Utah fans think Gobert is the best defensive player in the league because they've seen him and what he does and night in and night out. And, and so that's where the bias comes in. But I think, you know, Draymond is, with his size and his skill set, 
it's unbelievable how he plays at that end of the floor. You know, he's got a rep, and some people sometimes vote against people for reps, and we've seen him lose his cool and get technical, technicals and get ejected and all that, and complain to refs and jazz fans, wish he'd get a technical, but he doesn't. Um, I don't know how much you want to get into it, but uh, the rep isn't always, it, it may be partially accurate, maybe accurate in the moment, but it also isn't accurate every minute of every hour of every day. You got some pretty cool stories about him. And any of them, I don't want to cross the line, but any of them you want to share, they reflect well on him, and they go against the norm of what people think of him. Well, you know, Draymond is, he's a great teammate. I can tell you that with Nico. Um, and I get, you know, I hear a lot of the stuff that goes on um, with Nico, and I'm sure Nico doesn't share everything because those are locker room moments that you, you don't share. You know, those are team things that just stay in the locker room, and Nico's, he's learned that as a rookie. Um, but, you know, I know he's he's been in Nico's corner a lot, um, and he is he's helped him and encouraged him and done the things you know the teammates do. Um, he did it after the Jazz game when Nico played well here. You know, in the locker room, said some things that were that meant a lot to Nico, and I think it meant a lot to that team and brought them closer together because of of how he worded it to his teammates. Um, and you're right, I'm not going to share specifics, but you know, I just think he's. You talk about his technical fouls. You talk about his his image around the league. And, you know, he knows he's going to get technicals. He's explained, you know, he knows he's going to get close to that limit every year. He said, this is what I do. I know it. My team knows it. He's had a couple that have, most of them aren't really at bad times. He's had a couple that have cost him this year that have been a little worse than others. But he rarely gets tossed. And after he gets those texts, things usually turn to, turn to go his way a little bit more or the Warriors way a little bit more. And I can tell you there are rookies on that bench, you know, including Nico are shocked <laughs> that he doesn't get more with the things he says. <laughs> 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 and he, he said, it's just like, I can't believe that they wouldn't toss him. And he'll tell me what he says. And he, you know, and I think he has such a rep. He's been around the league so long. 99% of those refs, except for new ones coming in, know who he is, know his heart, know what he's about, know that he's just a great competitor and he wants to win and he'll say some things sometimes that are you know, outlandish um, and even personal, but they don't take it serious enough to give him the second technical. You know, A young guy gave him a technical this year and, and, uh, and Nico said he just went off on him the next time he came on the floor. And what he said the second time was much worse than what he got the technical for, but that young ref wouldn't even look at him. Mm-hmm. You know? And it was his way of saying, hey, I'm the veteran here. You're the rookie. Yeah. You know, you gave me and Damian Lillard a technical. We're both all-stars. Who do you think? You know, that kind of thing where, you know, I think the refs have learned, I'm not going to put my ego in the game. It's not very often that you, do, you, you see guys do that anymore. They don't have the big egos like they used to have back in, when I was playing. You know, there, there were some egos out there that if you said one thing, you got a technical. That doesn't happen much anymore. And I'm sure there's, you know, some refs have – just like you have problems with players and coaches. I know Jerry Sloan used to have a problem with one of the coaches, and he always got texts. And there are some guys in the league that tell you, I've got four texts this year, and they're from the same ref. So it does happen, but I think that's the anomaly. Yeah. Well, Pace, it's good to have you back in the community. Got to munch us some Italian food and, and uh, party on. <laughs> I'll do it. <laughs> I do it all the time. That's what I get at home every night, so I can't <laughs> complain about the Italian food. <laughs> uh, I miss my mother and her cooking. I'll bet. Yeah. 
I'm, I'm, I miss the stories, Pace. When you started saying, you know, Draymond and the stuff that has to stay in the locker room and all that, it's, it's what teammates do. Then I was thinking of some of the teammates you had back in the day and some of the things yeah, they when, did. When you think about my stories, when did I tell them? And what you told me? Off to the side. Off to, oh, my gosh. Well, there's, there's one particular story we can't. On the set. You can't. Those are, yeah. you know, you just can't get out there and, and, and go crazy. And, that's, you know, I can't put my, my son at risk. Absolutely. No, 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 Absolutely. No, no, no. We totally I, I get that. We totally get that. No, but I was thinking of stories you told me from Europe about players and, and basically just messing with the Americans when they showed up. And you know the story I'm talking about, which there's literally no way to tell it on the air. Does it involve touching? Yes. <laughs> I remember that one. And there's no way to tell that story on the air. No, 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 no. no. And you, no. Had, you actually had a teammate good to you saying, this is how you're going to behave because you don't want to end up in the middle of one of these stories. So this is what you're going to do. Exactly right, and that was that was solid advice from a teammate right there. Yeah. I just think anything that happened in whatever NBA locker room doesn't measure up to some of the craziness whoa, whoa, you whoa. got from Europe. That you have crazy measure up from Europe. Oh wow! <laughs> there you go again, DJ. <laughs> <laughs> hey, hey, okay. Speaking of great moments, while you were down in Arizona raising the next NBA player. This has come up, and I think they actually lost the drop. But I've had to tell PK multiple times whenever I, I uh, throw a malaprop out there and he starts laughing. It's nothing will ever measure up to Pace's <laughs> response when there was a spectacular wreck in NASCAR. And I missed it by one vowel. I was so close. <laughs> And you, you were like, you were trying to be a good teammate and come fill in in the morning, but you're just not morning guy. You were not cut out. But one time, sure. But don't ask me again, okay? With a spectacular rack. And then the look on Pace's face as he came out of his, his deep sleep. What did you just say? Oh, man. I'm glad I was that's looking awesome. right at it, That's good they got that drop. Yeah, I'm glad I was looking right at you as that registered. That was classic. <laughs> All right, thanks, Pace. We appreciate it. No problem, fellas. Have a great day. All right, you're the man. Pace Mannion, former Ute, former Jazz player. Son Nico now playing for the Warriors. Hard to believe when Pace was doing a pre-half and post for... <laughs> you were so amazed by that. I am. I know, a second grader, <laughs> and he's like, going to be in the NBA. It's like the first guy that you know who yes, plays professional that's exactly sports. what it is. I know, because you yeah. say it every time. Yeah, it amazes me. I'm amazed that you haven't found... You've done no other person nope. that you've known. But, like... All this time later. I know. (laughs) Coming up next, PGA Championship Update. Bob Casper, Real Golf Radio. Stay with us.